0: symbol of excellence in sports entertainment
1: turn it on and rip the knob
0: off
2: Guys, and welcome back to the Wrestling Memory Grenade, all the way up to episode 90 here this week, as we begin to cover August TV for 1987 in the World Wrestling Federation. And as always, I am your host, Ray Russell, and wow, episode 90, just 10 episodes away from that milestone edition number 100 of the Wrestling Memory Grenade. Can you believe it, guys? And by that point, we should be just about, well, I don't want to jinx anything, but we should be heading into the Survivor Series pay-per-view, hopefully by that point, or somewhere around that time frame anyway. But for right now, we talked about the news, we talked about the house show results last week here for August 1987 in the WWF this week. We're going to jump into TV, and as I mentioned at the end of last week's episode, if you guys haven't noticed the pattern as of late, I've kind of been trying to do two weeks of television at a time here when we cover WWF TV each month. And in August, it all starts off August 1st with Superstars, so we actually have five weeks of TV, which could make one of the shows a little more tedious and a little longer than uh, maybe some of you listeners out there are looking for right now. So what I decided to do was I wanted to have a little fun with you guys here this week, and it's a special hybrid edition, if you will, of the Wrestling Memory Grenade, as we're going to cover one week of WWF-TV. That's the weekend of August 1st through the 3rd, that's Superstars Wrestling Challenge and prime time as we head into the new month of August. And then from there, we're going to have a little fun fantasy booking. What if, what if there was a SummerSlam in 1987? Now, we all know the inaugural SummerSlam event takes place next year, 1988, with the Mega Powers versus the Mega Bucks. But what if there was a SummerSlam here in 1987? We're going to fantasy book our very own SummerSlam 87 card before we close out this week's edition of the Grenade And I appreciate those on social media who sent in their own fantasy versions of a SummerSlam 87 card. And we'll get into all of that in the second half of the show. But first, we're going to dive into that WWF TV here for August 87. And before we do that, just a friendly reminder, guys you can listen to the Wrestling Memory Grenade and our sister shows like Monday Warfare, The Battles Within. It's Raw vs. Nitro as we chronicle the entire Monday Night War right now, finishing up the month of July in 1996. The NWO has now formed. And they're causing chaos. In fact, the next edition of Monday Warfare going to feature that famous Lawn Dart Rey Mysterio job. You know what I'm talking about where Kevin Nash catches Mysterio mid-air in the backstage area and just kind of tosses him head first into the side of that trailer? Ugh, that is one spot that never gets old. Stuck with me forever, guys. You can also listen to our brand new show this year, Regional Wrestling, where we talk the territories. It's 100% territory talk. In the past, we've already covered 1977 in the worldwide wrestling federation along with guest co-host john mcadam for that one right now we got two projects going on mid-south wrestling slash the universal wrestling federation it's bill watts uwf in 1986 along with guest co-host roman gomez on the other end it's georgia championship wrestling 1981 with guest co-host jamie ward there on the regional wrestling podcast be sure to check it out Lots of fun going on all the time over there on Regional wrestling. We've even had former owner of Ring of Honor, Mr. Kerry Silken, join the show to talk about his memories growing up in the late 60s, early 70s in the New York Territory. So Kerry Silken going back to the Capitol Promotion Days, talking all about the WWWF, late 60s, early 70s. Really good stuff. Head back into the archives and check that out as well. And You can listen to all of those shows and more, all part of the wrestle copia podcast network located over at WrestleCopia.com. that's wrestle c-o-p-i-a.com and anywhere your podcast streaming needs are met from apple to spotify google and beyond and also make sure to follow us on social media you can follow me on twitter at wrestling grenade that's at r-a-s-s-l-i-n grenade also follow and like us at facebook.com slash wrestling grenade follow me on social media for all the latest goings on here at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network, and I'm also constantly adding old-school video clips and pictures from throughout wrestling history. And while you're at it, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And you can find me there at youtube.com slash Grenade. uploading new footage all the time, every week, as I continue to preserve my old VHS collection by converting it all to digital. And right now, just recently added a couple of matches from the old IWE Japanese promotion featuring Steve Olsonovsky and that kind of plays into our 1981 in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Steve-O getting a big push right now there on the Regional Wrestling podcast. And as I was converting the footage, I said, you know what, this would be a great time to throw up a couple of Steve-O's matches from over in Japan as well, which just happened to take place in 1981 during his run in Georgia Championship Wrestling, but also still adding more Mid-South Wrestling from 1986. It's every episode of Mid-South TV, every episode of Mid-South Power Pro for the entire year of 1986 so that you guys can kind of watch along or follow along with us as we cover the Mid-South 86 project also on Regional wrestling. But that's not all guys, I'm adding all sorts of random things that I'm finding right now and it's a great time to subscribe to youtube.com slash Grenade because I am a converting machine right now, converting all of my old footage to digital so that I can get rid of all the old VHS tapes, all the old DVDs and things of that nature. And that said, now is also a phenomenal stupendous time to become a Wrestle Copia patron. And you can find me there at patreon.com slash Wrestle That address again, patreon.com slash Wrestle C-O-P-I-A. Now there are multiple tiers in which you can choose from, but I only ask you guys to give it a go at that $5 all access tier. Get you all sorts of gifts for just $5 guys, including all of my insanely detailed book-like show notes. We're talking pages upon pages of show notes for every episode of the Wrestling Memory Grenade, Monday Warfare, and the Regional Wrestling Podcast. Plus, you'll get early access to many of the podcasts here on WrestleCopia. You guys can listen days and sometimes as much as a week earlier than the rest of the listeners. Plus, remastered versions of the earliest episodes of the Grenade covering the 1989 NWA project includes enhanced sound quality and new content and conversations. Originally edited out of the initial broadcast of the show, due to time restraint, well, they're edited back in. But that's not all. You'll also get digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure. Always get great feedback on my digital downloads, so you'll want to check those out. And of course, last but certainly not least, our Patreon-exclusive Watch Along series, covering many past WWF and WCW pay-per-views, Coliseum videos, Saturday Night's main events, Clash of the Champions, and so much more, and get this, guys, more coming soon. That's right, brand new Patreon-exclusive watch-alongs coming very soon. I've had a few guys ask, Hey, Ray, do you feel like maybe going back in time and watching these shows with me? And maybe we could put it on your Patreon just as a side thing. No problem, guys. In the works right now, I'm looking at WrestleMania 3 and a couple other things I don't want to spoil just yet. But let's just say we head back into the territory time frame. And don't worry, if you don't have the videos, we'll take care of that on Patreon and maybe even on YouTube as well. And you get all of that, guys, and so much more. Lots of random bonus drops there on Patreon that you only know about if you become an all-access tier member today. You get all of that, guys, for the low, low price of just $5. No subscription. Cancel anytime. time. Remember, it's early access. Insanely detailed show notes for three of the podcast shows. Patreon-exclusive watch-alongs, remastered episodes with new content, plus digital downloads, and so much more. Just $5. And like I said, no subscription. Cancel any time. Show your support. If you guys have a few bucks laying around in that PayPal account or whatnot, if you enjoy what I do, all the time and effort I put into everything, not just the podcast, but also the social media and everything in between, I ask you guys to please consider giving this Patreon a chance. Give it a try for just one month. I think you'll like the content that I offer. And every penny of it, I promise you, goes right back into funding this, the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. You guys are helping me pay the bills to keep the entire podcast network up and running for the months and the years to come. All right, now that we have all of that out of the way, it's time to jump into TV this week. We begin August TV here in 1987 in the World Wrestling Federation, and we start all the way at the beginning of the month. It's the August 1st edition of the Superstars of Wrestling. All right, and here we are, August 1st, superstars taped in Glens Falls, New York at the Civic Center. It's Vince McMahon, Jesse Ventura, Bruno San Martino on commentary, and straight away, we head off to the ring for six-man tag team action. It's the Rougeau brothers teaming with Brutus the Barber Beefcake to take on the trio of Rick Renslow, Dave Wagner, and Bubba Kirk. As we get an insert promo here from the new Dream Team, they say that Beefcake won't get away with what he has done to Johnny V, and most recently, the Hammer's hair, remember? kick even running down to ringside, and clipping a little locket of hair off of Greg Valentine. So the new dream team coming hard for the beefer, but no mention of the Rougeos here. They're just kind of there at this point. And the Rougeos start off right away, double drop kicks on both Wagner and Rinslow, who comes in to save his partner. He gets a double drop kick for his troubles as well. Beefer then tags in, does some things here with Bubba Kirk before the Roujols back inside for Le Bombe de Rougeau. Gonna score the quick win here over Kirk in just one minute. In 54 seconds. And then post-match, Beefcake, the stylist now, with a little haircut for Bubba Kirk before he spray paints his hair and then sprays a big B on the chest of Bubba here. Was a B for Bubba or B for the barber? Maybe B for Beefcake. Either way, spray painting a guy's chest back in 1987? The barber world order here. Perhaps Beefcake, the originator of the BWO. As we head off now to our update for the week, it's Craig DeGeorge standing by going to talk about the Women's Championship here in the World Wrestling Federation.
0: From the pages of the World Wrestling Federation magazine, here's Update with Craig DeGeorge.
3: Hello, everyone. One of the greatest champions in World Wrestling Federation history, shockingly, has gone down to defeat. It happened in Houston, Texas this weekend.
1: It's unreal! History
3: So, Sherry Martel is now the new World Wrestling Federation ladies champion, taking care of the fabulous Mula. Now, though, the test will be to see if Martel can live up to the standard Mula set as ladies champ, holding the belt longer than anyone else. Mula has regained the title before, but due to the immediacy of this, her future plans at this time are not known. We will keep you informed, though, here on Update. I'm Craig DeGeorge.
2: Well, we talked about it in the July house show results, Sam Houston Coliseum, but it's confirmed here on TV. Sherry Martell has dethroned the fabulous Moolah. We saw a clip there during that update segment. Moolah trying to slam Sherry back in over the top rope, but Martell able to turn it into an inside cradle, and Sherry dethrones the fabulous Moolah of the WWF ladies title here in the summer of 1987. And we'll have more on that in the weeks to come here in the month of August. But for now, up next, six-man tag team action with the Heenan family. Wow, two six-mans in a row to kick off the show here. Bobby Heenan out to the ring with the King Harley Race and the mighty Hercules, but where's the third member? Vince McMahon on commentary speculating, maybe maybe it's going to be a handicap match. No, sir, the brain on the microphone. He says he's been in agonizing pain for months now with that neck injury due to that ex-con, Ken Patera, but he can finally relax. No more concerns. As Bobby Heenan removes his neck brace, the neck brace is off here at the beginning of the month of August as he introduces his newest addition to the Heenan family, the man that can put him at ease. Moving forward, it is the syndicated TV debut of one ravishing Rick Rude, and as Rick Rude enters the ring, he asks for undivided attention as he removes his robe to show off his simply ravishing body. And now we're off to the ring six-man tag team action. As promised, the King Harley race, Hercules, and the debut of Ravishing Rick Roode, all cornered by Bobby the Brain Heenan here, taking on the trio of Jerry Allen, Rick Hunter, and Mario Mancini as we get an insert promo here from the Brain, who claims Rick Roode is good friends with Bam Bam Bigelow. So it should be a cinch that the Brain will lock the Bammer before too long. We'll have to see about that. Rick Roode's friends with Bam Bam Bigelow. Really? Okay. Jesse Ventura here on Commentary is absolutely in love with the latest addition to the Heenan family, Rick Rude. He says he must have something like 2% body fat and mentions Rude being a national arm wrestling champion here. As the Ravishing One starts off the matchup with Jerry Allen. Now, eventually, the King Harley Race, Hercules, both tagging in with some quick token offense, but this is clearly designed to get Rick Rude over as he tags back in, slingshot suplex, and he does it well. Eat your heart out, Tully Blanchard. Rick Rude with the slingshot suplex on Ricky Hunter. Going to get the Heenan family the win here in just one minute and 35 seconds. Now, for a six-man tag, that's pretty quick, especially when you're trying to get a new guy over. I also question the point of bringing Rick Rude in as part of a six-man tag team match, but twas the times, I suppose. But the fact remains, Ravishing Rick Rude is now a part of the World Wrestling Federation. As we head off to our first promo this week, Mean Gene Okerlund standing by with the WWF Tag Team Champions, the Hart Foundation. The
0: Tag Team Champions of the world. They are managed by the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. And of course, as you know, they are from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Brett the Hitman Hart to my right. To my left, excuse me, from Reno, Nevada. Jim the Anvil Neidhart, former football great. Now a couple of the premier... Let me ask you a question.
4: Uh You're so good at asking everyone else questions. Let me ask you a question. Why is it since the Hart Foundation became the world's champions. Why is it that every store you go into, from New York all the way to San Francisco, all there is in all these stores is pink? Everyone's wearing pink now.
0: Pink is a very hot color these days.
4: It is. Why, 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 why? You seems just recently it's been very, very hot.
0: Well, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's been a popular color. I remember 30 years ago it was... Well, I vaguely remember yeah. 30 years. Very popular color. Mm-hmm. Well, mark. we
4: all know what pink's been famous for, but the Heart Foundation's turned that around. You always had to be very feminine to wear pink. But see, the Heart Foundation, our motto isn't to be pretty in pink. No, 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 no. Our motto is to be
2: brutal in pink.
4: And you know something, man? Even a f- fat, even our fat, obese president of the WWF, Jack Tunney, even this obese man can go into any store now and buy pink.
0: You know, I think he, he deserves accepted. a little more respect than, than comments
4: respect like that. Respect for what? Firing Danny Davis?
0: You're still hot about that, aren't you?
4: Yeah, we sure are. Let's make one, one, something something perfectly clear right here and right now. The world heavyweight champions of the Hart Foundation, and we're here to stay.
0: Alright, I've had an opportunity, by the way, to tour those very luxurious plush offices of yours in New York City. Very impressive. Gal's a little strange in that place, but that's neither here nor there. You were
2: lucky you got in that place in the you first place. Thank you, the Heart
0: Foundation, and we're right back.
2: All right, so no Jimmy Hart there, and the Hearts having fun like they always do here in these promos. They've got a lot of teams lined up looking for them. But it's always fun to get a Heart Foundation promo in there with the Anvil and the Hitman. As the show rolls on, we're off to our next vignette. In the series for the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, yes, it's vignette number four. This time, Ted DiBiase heads into an upscale hotel looking for not just any room, but the best room they possibly have, which just happens to be the honeymoon suite. Problem is, it's already booked, but Ted DiBiase willing to prove that's not a problem at all. Let's listen as Ted DiBiase heads to the front desk here of the hotel.
5: I'd like the best suite in the house.
3: Okay, so that'd be the honeymoon Suite, and that's been reserved for several months.
5: Wait, 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 you don't understand. I'm Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. I have a standing reservation at every major hotel in the world.
3: I'm sorry, sir, but they've already checked into their suite.
5: Virgil, I think there's probably been a mistake in reservations, and uh, that suite's in my name.
3: Sir, I'm sorry. I can't kick them out of their suite. I think-
5: Virgil. I think we could find them another room, don't you? And give the honeymoon suite to me.
3: Yes, sir. The honeymoon suite's yours.
5: That's what I thought. <laughs> let's
3: go. Let's get out. Out of the room. Let's go, lovebirds. Out, 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 out. I'm working. I'm working. Mr. DiBiase does not like to be kept waiting. Wouldn't Come you on. Know, does that have to happen on my honeymoon? Oh, well, I'm up be. here. Grab it, baby. Grab the stuff and let's leave. Let's go.
5: well I suppose all of you are upset with me again and I'm sure you're feeling sorry for this poor honeymoon couple hey don't be upset feeling sorry for them ten years from now they'll probably want separate rooms and the hotel clerk it's not her fault it's like I've been telling you for a couple of weeks now everybody's got a price she had her price and you've got your price everybody's got a price for me The Million Dollar Man.
2: And there it was, DiBiase looking for a hotel room for the night. In fact, the finest room in the place, which just happens to be the honeymoon suite, as we talked about. But it was booked months in advance and currently being occupied by a newly married couple, of course. But out comes the cash as Virgil slaps it down there. You could hear it. DiBiase finally finds the right amount to buy off the desk clerk. And the next thing we know, the honeymoon couple are tossing their bags out into the hall as Virgil rushes them to make room for Ted DiBiase. And of course, don't feel sorry for that couple. And it's not the clerk's fault, because everybody's got a price for the million-dollar man. Yet another really well-produced vignette to get over that money can buy you anything and anyone for the right price. And this one, a little more questionable for me. How does money force people to leave a room? I mean, unless he's paying the people to leave the room, but they certainly sounded a little upset there, so I don't think... That was the case. And where was the security of the hotel staff during that eviction? Allowing DiBiase and and more so Virgil to do the evicting there, though. And though unhappy, the honeymooners simply pick up their crap and they leave. Either way, these vignettes were very well done. And after just a month on TV, I think the fans get the gist of the Million Dollar Man character. A total douchebag concocted in part by a true belief that Vince McMahon had at the time. So that explains that. But just another fun vignette there. For the Million Dollar Man character, as we head back to the ring, it's Ken Patera taking on Terry Gibbs here as Gibbs attacks, but to no avail. Kenny retaliates with 10 turnbuckle smashes to take over the matchup before the body toss launching Gibbs across the ring. And then back to the bear hug here for his finisher this week. Kenny didn't unleash that flying neckbreaker, that spinning full Nelson, if you will, until the wrestling challenge taping. So here on Superstars, it's the bear hug this week getting Patera the win in just one minute and 20 seconds. Really quick matches here this week on Superstars as we head off to yet another promo with another tag team. Mean Gene Oakland standing by this time with Haku and Tama, the Islanders, but there's no Bobby Heenan here, so we're actually going to hear from the Islanders themselves.
0: And I must candidly say that I was shocked beyond belief when a number of weeks ago, in front of an international television audience, Bobby the Brain Heenan dropped the bombshell in making the pronouncement that it would be he Bobby Brain heenan who would be managing the fabulous Islanders, the Islanders from the South Pacific. I want to bring them in right now. They are my guests, Haku and Tana. Gentlemen, welcome oh, aboard hello. once again. Hello. And I must say, uh, Haku, in all due respect, you have, yes, prospered quite well under the leadership of Bobby Brain heenan
1: Thank you very much, Minjin. We still have all kind of respect. We still all love, have the love from the people because they look at us as the people from the South Pacific with the natural muscular body. With the nature of everything, happy-go-lucky. Let me tell you something. When we start, there is a time for everything. There is a time to laugh. There is a time to cry. There is a time to change with the money-wise. Bobby Hinnan got the brain. Bobby Hinnan got the money. And Bobby Hinnan have the uh, the promises and the arrangement for us that our future is going to happen. And our future is going to be there. Championship belt. And when you talk about championship belt, that's our goal. That's the people from the South Pacific are waiting for. Our people, the Samoans, the Fijian, the Tongans are all waiting for the Islanders to make it happen.
0: All right, Tommy, you, you must realize, Bobby Heenan or no, the two of you would not be here if you were not good to begin with.
1: Well, you know, like everybody say about the Islanders, that's right. We are the best tag team here in the WWF. What Heenan wants, Heenan gets. What Heenan want us to do, Heenan's going to get it. And Heenan promised us the belt, and that's what we're going to
0: get. All right, I thank you very much. Uh, sometimes some of the things they say are a little strange, but they're great. they are the Islanders, Haku and Tama.
2: All right, and there it was. Haku speaking pretty well, better than he does some of the time during his promos. But they spend their time putting over Bobby Heenan there, what he's done for them, and in turn what they plan to do for the brain as they mention that Heenan has promised them the World Tag Team title. So we'll have to see if that ever comes to fruition as we head back to the ring for a title match, but it's the Intercontinental Champion, the Hockey Talk Man out here, Jimmy Hart in his corner, taking on Joe Milano as we get an insert promo from Jimmy Hart still swearing that he has locked in Bam Bam Bigelow. So we're back to this again. We do learn, however, that there will be a special announcement next week regarding Jimmy Hart's alliance with Bam Bam Bigelow. Will he be the manager or won't he? So at least the wheels are in motion for the battle of Bam Bam. Our first elimination coming next week, just a little spoiler for you guys. In the ring, it's Honky Tonk with a sit-out clothesline followed by the Shake, Rattle and Roll Neckbreaker. Gonna give HTM the win here. And he doesn't want to disappoint his tens of thousands of fans, hundreds of thousands of fans, hell, millions of fans around the world. The Honky Tonk man gonna do it one more time here. Let's hear it for the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time. Let's hear it for the Honky Tonk man. <laughs> All right, and from there, the show goes on. Craig DeGeorge standing up on the interview platform, and this week his guest Rick Martell, I suppose. This is in lieu of the Snake Pit segment. We'll have to see if it makes its return or not. But here right now, it's Craig DeGeorge standing by with Rick Martell, and they again discuss Tom Zink quitting the WWF, though not by name. It's just my partner quit. Rick Martell says it was hard to accept the fact that his partner quit on him. When competition got tough, his partner walked out on Martell. But Rick is no quitter and will take on the Islanders all by himself if he has to. I don't think that's going to be a problem. But Rick Martell putting over the crowd here, having his back, and that's really all he needs. And making it clear that his feud with the Islanders will continue. And if you guys don't know by now, there are some things in the works for Rick Martell's new partner. But I won't spoil it for the few of you who are learning as you go here about the history of 1987 and the World Wrestling Federation. So we'll head back to the ring for a special Pose Down Challenge. Between superstar Billy Graham and the natural Butch Reed, who heads to the ring, accompanied by his manager, the Doctor of Style Slick, Howard Finkel introduces Mean Gene Oakland, who's going to be the host of this first ever WWF Pose Down competition. But before we get started, this is probably a good time to take a time out here from 1987 in the WWF to talk about superstar Billy Graham. And to give you guys an idea of when I'm recording this, it was actually yesterday that his wife announced that Billy Graham is on life support, and the doctors have already recommended taking him off of life support. But as of right now, his wife keeping him on the machine. So I just want to send my thoughts and prayers to Superstar Billy Graham, his wife, his family, his friends. I've seen you know a lot of posts from both sides. Lots of people grew up on Superstar Billy Graham. They talk about everything he did for the business, how he changed the business to a degree. Lots of wrestlers emulating the Superstar Ric Flair already come out and said, yeah. There's a piece of him in me, too. Jesse Ventura, Scott Steiner, Hulk Hogan, the list goes on and on. There's also some detractors, and I and I get why lots of questionable things went on with Billy Graham from the late 80s, early 90s, what have you, for many, many decades off and on, his uh, love-hate relationship with Vince McMahon, the WWE, and other things as well. He's had a lot of health issues. He's battled for more more than, I'd say, something like 35 years or more. He had the hip replacement surgery. We've already documented that here in 1987, and it just you know went downhill from there as far as health. Up and down was Billy Graham, but at the end of the day, growing up just a kid seeing the superstar Billy Graham from the late '80s, and then later getting to see a lot of his work from the '70s, from the AWA, from the WWWF, and things like that. I have nothing but respect for him as a professional wrestler. So I'm not going to touch on anything personal uh, or outside the business as far as Superstar Graham goes but I don't wish ill upon anyone. Even, you know, I don't know that I have any enemies, but in my lifetime, I've had a few people that I didn't particularly care for, and I never even wished ill on those people. So to not even know superstar Billy Graham and to say anything negative would just be ignorant, and I'm not going to do that here on the show anyway. But focusing on his uh, wrestling career, what a trendsetter, and that, you know, when that term gets thrown around at times, and and I just mean it to the fullest, Uh, a true trendsetter was superstar Billy Graham throughout the 1970s, from the promos to the look to the gear, just everything about him. He exuded charisma, personality, and that's what really got him to the top. So again, I just want to send my best wishes to the Graham family, the Eldridge Coleman family. I'm not going to be sure the state of the situation when this podcast comes out this week, but as of right now, Billy Graham on life support, and I'm sending all my best to everyone this affects. And uh, I just want to say from a a professional wrestling standpoint, I can't thank superstar Billy Graham enough for entertaining me because really loved his stuff, uh, specifically as a heel throughout the 1970s in in particular. I wasn't alive for it, but I, I certainly loved going back and seeing so much of it that is out there. Truly one of the legends of the business is superstar Billy Graham. As we dive back into 1987 now, it is superstar Graham Against the natural Butch Reed here in a pose-down contest, as Mean Gene makes the rules clear. Each superstar will be given the opportunity to do four different poses, and then the crowd will decide the winner by the loudness of their cheers. But as the posing begins, it becomes apparent almost immediately that neither Reed nor Graham was listening to the rules because they bust out three or four poses just in their first pose here. As we start off, Superstar Graham using the old most muscular pose, the very famous Hulk Hogan pose, along with the single bicep and the side chest shot here as the natural Butch Reed responding with a double bicep pose into a single bicep, as Jesse Ventura lets us know, and then a side chest of his own here. And then it's more posing back and forth the second round as it becomes obvious Superstar Graham getting the much louder cheers. In fact, Butch Reed getting all boos when he's up to pose here. So, on the third set of posing, Superstar Graham getting ready to pose for the third time. It's the natural butchery attacking him right away, taking down Superstar Graham, removing the weight belt from around the waist of Graham, and then beating him with it as the slickster driving his cane down into the bad hip of Graham as well. But Superstar, not going to be outdone, comes fighting back, back to his feet, sending the natural and slick out of the ring and out to the floor. Graham pumped up yelling for Butch to get back in the ring, but The Natural and The Slickster splitting from ringside as the fans eating it up and Billy Graham running off the heels here. But the feud just getting started here between The Natural and The Superstar, it would seem, in our very first WWF pose down. At least official pose down anyway. Up next on Superstars, a quick promo from Outback Jack who warns everyone of the dangers of Killer Khan and his deadly Mongolian mist. There's nothing like it, mate, says Outback Jack. Compares it to Mace here in America, but says, well, it kept him out of action. He was blinded for nearly three days after taking the mist to the eyes in his most recent match here with Killer Khan. And speaking of Killer Khan, we head back to the ring. More action. Eric Cooper standing by to take on the Mongolian Killer Khan. Mr. Fuji in his corner. We get an insert promo here from Fuji. He once again stating that He is the master of managing big men, so he will be the one who gets Bam Bam Bigelow. As the action goes on, it's the green mist here into the eyes of Cooper, and then the backbreaker sets Cooper up for the flying knee drop off the top rope. Going to give Killer Con the win in just one minute and 12 seconds. Then from there, I got another promo lined up for you guys. This time, it's the Doctor of Style Slick standing by with his one man gang who has aspirations on becoming. Not just a champion here in the WWF, but the champion. Let's listen.
0: There's an old cliche. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. That has not been the case for this big superstar from Chicago, Illinois. Just a few short months of the World Wrestling Federation. And there's no question about it. He has impressed virtually everybody, including the heavyweight champion of the world. From Chicago, come on in. One man gang, six foot nine, nearly 500 pounds. The doctor of style slick you brought this gentleman of the world wrestling federation and he has been most impressive
3: well you know that's what it's all about brother this man my latest acquisition and by far the biggest man in my whole family now i want to tell you something brother this man has not let me down and i have not let him down i said to him when i propositioned him about coming to the world wrestling federation i said brother I'm going to make you a rich man. I've done that. I said, brother, I'm going to get you a title shot with Hulk Hogan no less than a month after you've been in the World Wrestling Federation. And now I've done that. And he made me a promise, Gene. He said, I'm going to beat every man I step in the ring with, brother. And so far, you know his record. He is what?
0: Well, he's, he's got a great record. There's no doubt about that. He
3: is undefeated, brother.
0: I wonder if I could prevail upon you, one-man gang. Yes, the doctor, Slick, did uh, allude to the heavyweight champion of the world and yeah. obviously you have your sights set on Hulk Hogan.
4: Uh, well, let me tell you a story, Gene. An Indian legend, there was this great white buffalo. And if a warrior went out and destroyed the buffalo, he was the greatest warrior in all the land. Well, that's my goal, to destroy the great white buffalo, the WWF Hulk Hogan. And when I destroy him and take the heavyweight title for myself and Slick, I will be the greatest warrior in all the history of professional wrestling. And I've talked to Madam Zolta and she looked in the the globe there and she saw that I will be the champion. It's only a matter of time, Hogan, three and a half years. And you are going down when you and I meet face to face, one on one. (laughs) On it.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know, Slick, if you could look at a crystal ball and find out whether or not you're going to be the heavyweight champion in the world, I think it takes more than that.
3: Well, let me tell you something, brother, and you mark my words. Just remember one thing. When this man pins Hogan's shoulders to the mat, you're looking at a man who would have beaten the greatest of the great.
0: You say when. I, I, I have to say if he can do that.
3: Brother, there's no doubt about it. You mark my words. The doctor's promising it. It'll happen.
0: All right, the promise of the doctor of style slick. Those promises in reference to the one-man gang.
2: So the gang planning to become the next World Wrestling Federation champion. We'll have to see what Hulk Hogan has to say about that in the weeks to come. As we conclude this edition of Superstars, I thought they did a good job this week putting over a lot of the new guys, Ravishing Rick Rude debuts, Bam Bam Bigelow eliminations are just about to begin, plus another Ted DiBiase vignette coupled in with Killer Khan continuing to get TV time to get himself over, get that green mist and his finisher, that knee drop over, as he continues to face Hulk Hogan on the house shows and main events around the country. And that'll wrap it up for Superstars this week as we kick off the month of August here at 87. But we move on to the following day for August the 2nd. It's a new edition of Wrestling Challenge. (laughs) right and here it is wrestling challenge august the 2nd tape back july 16th lake placid new york at the olympic center bobby the brain heenan and gorilla monsoon on commentary and as has been accustomed in recent weeks bobby heenan helped up to the commentary platform by some federettes here but this week bobby removing the neck brace we saw the brain take it off on superstars now it comes off on wrestling challenge as well three months is all it took and apparently the neck is healed As we head off to the ring, well, this is going to be a fun matchup. Macho Man Randy Savage Miss Elizabeth in his corner, taking on newcomer Brady Boone. And for those who don't know, Boone, a former gymnast, so we're going to see some fun things here. Early on in the matchup As the Macho Man looks to toy with the newcomer early on, but Brady surprising Savage with a double handspring backflip, jumping up and touching his toes before Savage walking into a dropkick and then powders out of the ring. What just happened there, says the Macho Man. And then it's back inside the ring. Macho attacking again, but Boone up in the air with a Hurricane Rana takeover. Takes Savage down to the mat. And once again, the Macho Man back to the outside to regroup again, trying to figure this Brady Boone character out. And then back in once more. Boone for another Rana. But this time Savage countering. This is so awesome. This needs to be a gif. I might have to put this out there. Boone jumps up for another Hurricane Rana takeover, and Savage just lets him have it with a power bomb. A macho bomb, if you will. Mmm, yeah, uh uh-huh. So Savage with a power bomb here, circa 1987. The Macho Man then grabbing Boone by his hair, leaping over the top rope of the leverage spot, dropping Boone throat first across the top rope, and then back inside it, Savage with his patented knee drop as well, looking to work Boone over on the mat. But Brady comes fighting back again, catching Savage with a knee lift, and Savage comes at him. In the corner, but Brady Boone jumping up to the top rope and doing a backflip off the top rope, landing on his feet behind Savage, but Macho Man quickly catching Boone with a sit-out clothesline, then sends Brady out to the floor for the double axe handle off the top rope, and then back inside, it's the Flying Elbow. Going to get the win here for the Macho Man in 4 minutes and 18 seconds of a very fun squash match here on Wrestling Challenge, and Brady Boone really well put together in good shape, But a bit on the small side, which clearly hindered him here in the WWF anyway. But clearly, immediately, Brady Boone placed in that level of job guy role like a Barry Horowitz, if you will. And for those who know their WWF characters from the Hulkamania era, you guys will also recognize Boone as the original Battle Cat in 1990. Before he's quickly replaced by Bob Bradley there for that short run for the Battle Cat character. As we're off to special report and Superstar Graham's return to action. We go back and we see a recent matchup involving Graham here, a squash match, in which Graham picking up the win, as his hip did hold out. So the Superstar back in action, but Wrestling Challenge a little behind the times as they're focused on Graham returning to the ring, that squash match. Meanwhile, we just saw him in a pose down with Butch Reed on Superstars. So Challenge, the special report a little behind the time, but we roll back to the ring. Jake the Snake Roberts taking on Rick Rinslow in another fun squash this week. It's a knee lift right away on Renslow, who tries for a backdrop right out of the gate. And Jake Roberts countering with his patented knee lift. And as the action continues, Jake Roberts draping Renslow across the apron on the outside, dropping an elbow off the apron down into the throat of Renslow. And then back in the ring, Jake Roberts was sort of a a face buster bulldog deal. Really cool stuff here coming out of the Snake Man's repertoire this week. Changing it up. We don't really see these moves from Jake before or again. But at the end of the day, back to what brought him to the dance, Jake Roberts with the nasty DDT here. Renslow may have lost a couple inches on the neck after this one. I mean, to talk about a short ride right down on his head. Renslow does the job. Jake Roberts getting the win two minutes and 39 seconds. And you have to know, Damian coming out to play after the matchup. As we're off to mean Gene Oakland standing by with dangerous Danny Davis. As we're off to hear from the former referee
0: all right here we go again i want to bring in a man who is a specialist you know you've got specialists in in virtually every kind of business and sports today Danny davis come on in former referee from the world wrestling federation you were terminated some time ago by our distinguished president jack tunney you're now part of the heart foundation and i must say you are are doing quite well as one of the superstars in the world wrestling federation you know i said specialist you are a specialist in the world wrestling federation you are a specialist as an agitator. You agitate people, you upset them beyond belief.
1: The only reason a way I upset people is like when I was a referee, I did things my way. I went by the rules, but I made the rules my way. I did what I thought was right at all times. And now that I'm a a professional wrestler, everybody's watching me and everybody is amazed.
0: You say you did things by the rule. I'll take exception of that, Mr. Davis. In all due respect, I recall Late last uh, winter in Tampa, Florida, when the Hearts met the British Bulldogs, you were involved actually in that very controversial decision. And I've got to believe, if it were not for you, the Hearts today would know, would not be the tag team champions of the world. You know
1: something, Oakland? You come out here, and every time the, a member of the Heart Foundation should win a title or should become some good should happen to him, you have to come out with a controversial. Everything to you is controversial. Answer me these questions. Who is the Intercontinental Heavyweight
0: Champion? It's the honky-tonk, man. Who are the World Tag Team Champions? The Hart Foundation. <laughs> and I'm not going to be an exception. Someday, Dangerous Danny Davis will be a title holder. I, I, get, the, I get the feeling you don't particularly care for that, that moniker of agitator, do you? Not at all, Mr. Oakland. Just what I thought. I thank you, Danny Davis.
2: All right, so Dangerous Danny pointing out that Jimmy Hart's meant the honky-tonk man, the current Intercontinental Champion, the Hart Foundation, current Tag Team Champions. Someday, Danny Davis will be a title holder as well. Only if they create another title, Danny. Because you're sure not beating the Hulkster. And again, I continue to petition, and I know this is falling on deaf ears because this is 36 years ago, but I'm continuing my petition for a Hulk Hogan-Danny Davis match on a Saturday Night's Main Event. It would make for a fun time. All the smoke and mirrors and shenanigans that would have to go on to make that match go more than a minute. It just sounds like a fun time for Saturday Night's Main Event. Hey, the genius pulled it off as we head back to the ring tag team champion Hart Foundation, Jimmy Hart in their corner, taking on the team of C.V. Afi and Special Delivery Jones. And we're more than two minutes into the matchup, and the Hart Foundation still haven't done much more than kick and punch here. So maybe they were trying to prove a point. Let's see how far into the match we can go before we actually have to wrestle. I don't know what was going on this week. But then, out of nowhere, the anvil, busting out with a standing drop kick on Afi. always impressed whenever the anvil got up in the air, even though I know he can do it. And then from there, the Hitman, missing an elbow drop, allowing Afi to tag in S.D. Jones, who goes to work on the Hitman briefly, but Jones running into a backbreaker from Bret Hart. And then from there, it's the heart attack on special delivery, and the Hart Foundation picking up the win, 4 minutes and 14 seconds. So some long matches today. The opener with Savage and Boone going over 4 minutes, this Hart Foundation match going over 4 minutes, Jake Roberts usually finishing his opponent off in just over a minute's time, maybe 2 minutes. He goes about three as well. So some extended squashes here on Wrestling Challenge, essentially the opposite of what we got on Superstars. Most of those matches were in and out in less than two minutes. As we're off now to another promo, means standing by this time with a hell of a bloke from Australia. He comes from a land down under. It's Outback Jack.
0: All right, we're going to have him joining us here in just a moment. I believe he said he forgot me Tiffer. I, I would assume that's his hat. But uh, it's not going to be long because he is coming in right now. He is from the northern part of Australia, just outside of Darwin. It's very warm in that part of the world. He's Absolutely. from Humpty Doo in the northern territories of Australia, down under. He is Outback Jack. Goodbye. Right now, things are speaking of heat, red hot at a World Wrestling Federation, Outback.
6: Oh, mate, they couldn't get much hotter. Suits the weather. See, it's summertime over here, one of the most beautiful countries in the world, the place that gets all green, all the, all the action and all the stars are here in the WWF, mate.
0: You know you you take a look at some of these great ones, and out fact Jack, you have met your fair share, I might add.
6: Yeah, We've got a great true.
0: champion in Hulk Hogan. Oh, the tag the best. team,
6: Yes, he is. Oh, the best. Absolutely the best.
0: The tag team champions are the Hart Foundation, and a man that I'm certain you have your eye on right now, the Honky Tonk Man, the Intercontinental Champion of the world.
6: Well, yeah, mate, the Honky Tonk Man, he sort of shake, rattles and rolls. He wiggles his bum at the Sherlers, and uh, I suppose some of the blokes, too. You know, we don't sort of really know too much about Honky Tonk Man. Practises the guitar.
0: He is practising. Uh, I'll give him that.
6: Uses, he uh, uses more oil in his hair than you would do to change a 1957 DeSato's uh, oil, you know? Oh.
0: Did you have DeSoto's in in Australia?
6: Yeah, mate, we had a few out there just after the war, you know, the Second World War, and they rusted out a little bit because they weren't such a real crash old car.
0: All right, now, Outback Jack, let's talk about some of the men that you see in the World Wrestling Federation. One of them has got to be Killer Khan, and certainly you felt the wrath of him when he spewed that, that green vial in your
6: eye. Mate, I'm going to call that the Mongolian mist. He spied this... Green stuff, straight in the, in the old eyes here, mate. I tell you what, I couldn't see for about three you're days. still
0: suffering a bit from it, are yeah, you, huh? The old
6: right eye's a little bit sick. I need to go and see a doctor again and get it a, have a bit of a check out.
0: All right, you call it the
6: Mongolian mist? Yeah, Mongolian just phew, sprays it like, you know, oh, it's crooked. It's like sort of being maced, you know, when the law enforcement's over, you're a cheeky bugger to a copper, and he sprays you in the face with that uh, mace stuff. Not all good, right. Not good at all.
0: Here's a very colorful man. He's Outback Jack, and we're right back.
2: All right, Outback Jack was missing his tipper there. Mean Gene presumes he meant his hat. Outback Jack joining the promo as they talk about some of the talent here in the WWF, including the Honky Tonk Man. Boy, wouldn't that have been interesting. Outback going for the IC title. I noticed Jack said that he had his eyes on the Honky Tonk Man, and, well, we had to go there. Speaking of eyes, Killer Khan recently spewing that green mist and Outback Jack. Jack touching on it again here in this promo on Wrestling Challenge. As we're off to an update, but it's a replay of an update we've already seen on Superstars. It's Sherry Martell defeating the Fabulous Moolah, to become the new women's champion here in the World Wrestling Federation. Congratulations go out to Sherry Martell. And then it's back to the ring. Singles action. Birdman Coco Beware, Frankie by his side. Take it on Terry Gibbs. And the Birdman sporting his brand new Coco Beware t-shirt to the ring. Gonna show it off. Head up to the merchandise stands right now. Pick up your Birdman t-shirt. It's got Frankie on one side, Coco's goggles on the other, but no picture of Coco anywhere to be seen. So it's actually more of a a Frankie t-shirt, really. But whatever sells, I suppose. As the match gets going, Terry Gibbs getting in his licks on the Birdman, but hurts his hand when he goes to the head of Coco Beware. Because, you know, hard head and all. Action goes on with Coco faking a reverse body block off the middle rope, Gibbs ducking down, allowing Coco enough time to climb to the top rope, where he delivers the missile drop kick, which connects, and then it's the Ghostbuster, done well as always, Beware picking up the win here, Two minutes and 25 seconds as we're back over to the special interview platform here on challenge this time craig DeGeorge george standing by with the outlaw ron bass but he's not alone no sir he has his companion with him remember that blackjack mulligan feud that never really happened blackjack had miss sarah joe puckett well here the outlaw he has miss betsy mr
3: bass you obviously have size at 300 pounds great strength no doubt about that but you also have that weapon, you call it Miss- uh,
4: Miss Betsy, Ms. get it right, boy. Before we get started, I want all these stable hands and all these rednecks just to shut up for a minute and listen. You know, for a long time, I've been known as bad company people. And I, you know, I've always looked around for somebody that could stay with the big outlaw. You know, I had to have somebody that was mean, somebody that was nasty, somebody that just didn't give a darn what they had to do to win a match. You know, and I looked way over here. I looked way over there, and I didn't find anybody. And wouldn't you know it, it would turn out to be a woman. Yeah, Miss Betsy, people. You know, and Miss Betsy, you got to treat just like a woman. A lot, a lot of respect. Because if you don't, that's when she shows her ugly side. And you people know what I mean. Ugly side. You know, she likes to rip that skin wide apart. She likes to see that blood start coming rolling out, people. And you know something? It just turns me out. And I say, go get a man and you better believe there's a lot of people out there i'm gonna put a challenge
2: to you now how about you hogan how about you santana jyd And there it is ron bass still pushing miss betsy his bullwhip challenging all the guys here in the world wrestling federation hulk hogan jyd whoever it may be outlaw ron bass is ready and again another match i would love to have seen on like a prime time or or house show or whatever hogan getting a win over ron bass just putting away another guy on the roster would it have been pretty Probably not, but it would have been short to the point, and Hogan would have got another win over another heel here in the WWF as we head back to the ring to see a heel in action. Formerly Hernandez, now just Hercules. Bobby the Brain Heenan in his corner taking on Jerry Allen here, as as Johnny V joins commentary, talking with Gorilla, who's making fun of Johnny V's hair, who seems to lose more and more hair every time we see him, courtesy of all of his matches with Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Meanwhile, in the ring, Jerry Allen with some drop kicks on Hercules earlier. It stuns Herc, but he never goes down from the moves. And then out of nowhere, Hercules exploding, erupting with a big clothesline, driving Jerry Allen down to the mat. And then it's a press slam before locking in the full Nelson. Hercules continuing to utilize that full Nelson finisher. Going to get the submission win here in 1 minute and 55 seconds. As we have one more match lined up here for you this week on Wrestling Challenge, more six man tag team action. It's our third six man of the weekend. We saw two on superstars, and now. It's the Killer Bees teaming with the Junkyard Dog. Going to take on the team of Tiger Chung Lee, Joe Murdo, and Dave Wagner. And it's masks all around. Brian Blair, Jim Brunzelt, JYD, all wearing masks through the ring. But unfortunately, they removed the mask before the match starts. I wrote, damn, I want to see JYD wrestle in that mask. I haven't seen Dog in a mask since the Stagger Lee days, I don't believe. And as the match gets going, Brian Blair, Tiger Chung Lee starting it out with surprisingly some really good wrestling between Chung Lee and Brian Blair here. But Joe Murdo tagging in, he feels the wrath of all three of his opponents, the Bees and JYD. Then from there, Dave Wagner tagging in, eats a jumping Jim Brunzel high knee before a Brian Blair butt butt, the old bee sting to Wagner as well. Then JYD going to finish it off with the thump. Power Slam picking up the win here for the babyfaces. Three minutes and 24 seconds. And they put the masks back on after the matchup as well here. So some Al Snow avatar shit going on all the way back here in 1987. As we close out this edition of Wrestling Challenge, we're already there. Mean Gene Oakland standing by yet again with another tag team here in the World Wrestling Federation. This time it's Jacques and Raymond, the Rougeau brothers.
0: As I have stated time and time again, there are so many things happening in the ever-changing world of professional wrestling and especially here in the World Wrestling Federation. One subject that I would certainly like to take up with my guests at this time, from Montreal, Quebec, and Canada, Raymond and Jacques the Rougeau brothers is this very volatile tag team situation that we are currently experiencing in the World Wrestling Federation. Jacques, first to you, when you take a look at it. The hearts right now are at the very top, but there are so many teams that are hot on their heels, including you, the fabulous Rougeau brothers.
3: Well, you know me and
1: Gene, there sure is. And one thing I want to state and I want to make clear, When we first appeared at the World Wrestling Federation, we were saying everywhere on each TV interview, everywhere we went, that good things come to those who wait. And we've been waiting over a year now, a year and a half. We had a few chances and we came close and always something happened, whether it was Johnny V that interfered with the Dream Team, while it was always a little obstacle towards that World Tag Team title that we are searching for. But we just want to repeat ourselves and we will say it again. That we're in the gym every day and we're in the ring every day working out and we will persist and the heart foundation always look over your shoulder because anytime you see the rujo brothers in the ring with you guys you're in any night any bad night you may lose those titles all
0: right jock i appreciate those comments raymond i know one thing the heart foundation certainly has no love lost for you and for that i think they they are they're apprehensive they're concerned they may even Fear the Rougeau brothers because of some of the things they've said about you over the past couple of weeks.
3: Well, you know me and Jean. that's right. All the things that they've been saying about us just proves one thing, is that they are worried. When you don't talk about
1: somebody, it's because you don't really care about them. But when you keep knocking them, you know what they say,
3: just no matter what you say, good or bad, it doesn't matter, just get my name right. Well, you see, they get the Rougeau's name very right because they are very worried. You know me and Gene, I think one of the main
1: qualities for any athlete is perseverance. And that is one thing my brother and I have, that is perseverance. We will keep going, we will keep fighting, and we will keep climbing until
2: we attain our goal. And look out, Hart Foundation, the Rougeau brothers gunning for those tag team titles, it would seem, and we just talked about this, in a recent matchup at the Montreal Forum, the Rougeaus in fact defeated the Hart Foundation for the tag team titles, but that decision was later overturned and announced that weekend on television. But in local news in Montreal, the night it happened and the day after, they announced that the Rujo brothers were the new WWF Tag Team Champions. Now, that decision did get reversed, as I mentioned. The megaphone came into play. I also believe the illegal Hart Foundation member, I think it was the Hitman, was pinned. It was decided, and thus the Hart Foundation getting the titles back. Never mentioned on national WWF television, but for the local fans, just for a day, their hometown heroes were the Tag Team Champions as we roll on to WWF Primetime Wrestling this week for August the 3rd, 1987. is hosted as always by gorilla monsoon and bobby the brain heenan and we saw it on superstars we saw it again on wrestling challenge and here on prime time bobby heenan sans neck brace no more neck brace for the brain as we head into the intro gorilla monsoon questioning what caused the removal of the neck brace of bobby heenan
7: what is it i know you don't have the horse collar on i don't have my neck brace on i don't need my neck brace anymore well, you never needed it from the beginning, as far as I was concerned. I stated yes, that. As far as you were concerned, you're not a medical man. You're Several not months ago, but we straightened that all out. There. What was, the, what was the main provocation for you to take it off? Well, the reason is because I have a new member of the Bobby Heenan family. Oh, I'm aware of that, yeah. Ravishing Rick Rude, who's going to bring me the championship of the world. And with this man now, I don't have any fear of anybody anymore. I'm not worried. You said about Andre something. was going to do that. You said Bundy was going to do that. You said Benedict Arnold was going to do that. What makes you think that this guy Ravishing? What's Ravishing is a title for, for a, a good-looking woman, not a guy. He wants to be called Ravishing? He can be called Ravishing. He is Ravishing. You seen the body on this man? I, I have seen it. You yes. seen the wrestling ability, the man some, the mind he has, the, the the things he wants to do in that ring, the counters, the, the What does the he need to you great? for it, then if he has all these things? I don't do any wrestling in the ring. I don't interfere in the ring. I do I'm just a manager. Just as I make sure he's... Uh, I do a lot of things. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Our feature match this week here on Primetime Wrestling, of course, the it's Heart Foundation taking on JYD and Rick Martell. But right now, we're going to give you a special look at Ravishing Rick Rude. Is he-
2: and there it was. The neck brace is gone. We got the trifecta here. He took it off on superstars, took it off on challenge. He's not wearing it here today on Primetime. Bobby Heenan has removed the neck brace as he announces Ravishing Rick Rude, now the latest member of the Bobby Heenan family, Rick Rude going to handle business for Bobby Heenan. I guess he's ignoring the fact that he already has like 10 other guys in the Heenan family as well. But now that Rick Rude's here, he's going to handle business. And of course, Gorilla Monsoon pointing out, well, you said the same thing about Bundy, Orndorf, and the list goes on. But Bobby Heenan assuring the gorilla Rick Rude is here and he means business. And Bobby Heenan has done away with the neck brace. At least for now, it won't be the last time we see Bobby Heenan wearing a neck brace here in 1987, but we'll save that for down the road. For now, we're going to look at a couple of uh, primetime exclusives, I do believe, including a special edition of the Snake Pit. This was taped back on June the 23rd in Indianapolis at Market Square Arena. Jake Roberts' guest, the Macho Man Randy Savage, and the lovely Miss Elizabeth. This is uh, one of those where Savage says that he's given up his chase for the Intercontinental title. Instead, he's decided to go after the, the World Championship, currently worn by Hulk Hogan, also here on Primetime. This is a fun one. I loved this when I first saw this. It's the Hart Foundation Tag Team Champions defending their titles. Well, apparently they were scheduled to defend against the Can-Am Connection. Rick Martell and Tom Zink, but Tom Zink no more here. In Glens Falls, New York at the Civic Center, taped July the 15th, and instead it's Rick Martell teaming with the Junkyard Dog. And as odd as it sounds, I kind of like the team. And Martell moving away from those Can-Am Connection trunks, at least for this matchup anyway. And it is the team of Rick Martell and JYD over Tag Team Champions Hart Foundation, Jimmy Hart in their corner, albeit on a disqualification. Match went about 12 and a half minutes when the Hart Foundation refusing to stop double teaming the JYD. Hitman coming off the top rope with the heart attack. Wow, talk about a super heart attack there on JYD. And the team of Martell and Dog going to get the DQ win, but they won't get the tag team titles. And that's going to wrap it up here for this week in WWF-TV as we start off the month of August 1987. We'll be back again next week with more August television. going to tackle the next two weeks of Superstars Challenge, primetime wrestling, and everything in between. Lots more to happen here in the world of August TV for the World Wrestling Federation. But for now, we're going to move into the second half of this edition of The Grenade. Remember, I said it's a special hybrid edition. We covered some WWF TV. Now it's time to Fantasy Book. Well, we all know SummerSlam, the big pay-per-view, got its start in 1988. But what if... SummerSlam started right here in 1987 for the World Wrestling Federation, coming off that hot WrestleMania 3 pay-per-view. Hey, why not? And it was rumored the WWF had planned to do a big stadium show here in the month of August. Had they done that, maybe, maybe we would have got that on a Coliseum video instead. But when Andre was ruled out due to that back injury, they decided to cancel the rematch between Hulk and Andre, at least according to the and thus the stadium matchup was put on hold. So there's no WrestleFest-type show here, stadium show here in 1987. There's no big event. There's no return to the CNE Stadium here in 1987. So I decided, what if we book our own SummerSlam 87 card? And I got a lot of great feedback on social media, especially on Twitter, but also on Facebook as well. Lots of people chiming in with their ideas and thoughts. And I, it came down to this for me. I'm covering 1987 in great detail. So I'm paying attention to everything that's going on including injuries, guys in and out of the promotion, and of course, what's going on on the house shows. We talked all about it last week, August house show results. And the first thing's first, in order to have a SummerSlam, you need to have a venue. And remember, SummerSlam taking place at Madison Square Garden, the inaugural SummerSlam in 1988, just like the inaugural WrestleMania took place in Madison Square Garden back in 1985. So I'm going to do that here in 1987 as well. Yes, I could have been creative. I could have put it at Maple Leaf Gardens, one of the rumored places for WrestleMania three before it wound up in the Silverdome. But I went with MSG, tried and true. And I don't feel like going back right now. I didn't mark the date down. I think it was either August 22nd or 25th when there was an MSG card that actually took place here in the month of August in 1987. So we're going to roll with that time period for SummerSlam, the weekend of that time period for SummerSlam 87. Madison Square Garden, New York, New York, and the main event, as we take off now, to our SummerSlam Report. All right, and here it is, the SummerSlam Report, Madison Square Garden, and you gotta have yourselves a great main event. And this just in, guys. It appears that the living legend Bruno San Martino has announced his retirement from professional wrestling. Bruno, gonna hang up the boots he's going to wrestle his final MSG matchup here as part of SummerSlam 87. But I know you're thinking, Ray, how can Bruno Sammartino main event a pay-per-view? Now, yes, he is the living legend. Yes, he sold out MSG for many years. But nationally, how can Bruno sell the pay-per-views? Well, I'm not done yet with the main event, guys. Bruno Sammartino stepping in the ring. Much like Bruno's real-life retirement matchup in August of 87 in Baltimore, it's going to be the living legend Bruno Sammartino Teaming with World Wrestling Federation champion Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan teaming with Bruno San Martino and his final goodbye to Madison Square Garden. And they're going to take on, listen to this team, of the evil Mongolian Killer Khan, currently feuding with Hulk Hogan all around the towns. And his partner, the 500-pound next man in line for the Hulk star, I should mention, One Man Gang. So it is Bruno and Hulk Hogan taking on the likes of Killer Khan and the One Man Gang in the main event of this SummerSlam card. Why is Hogan not defending his title? Well, look at the early SummerSlams, guys. It was tag team main events. It was more about the spectacle than giving away big world title matches. All of this making sense. Hogan currently in the feud with Killer Khan all around the horn. One-man gang beginning to mention wanting matches, and he'll have upcoming matches with the Hulkster on upcoming house shows in the fall here. So it all ties into Hogan. And then, of course, Bruno's real last match in Baltimore? It's Hogan and Bruno against the gang in Bundy. So I kept the gang in there as he's more of a fresh talent rather than throwing in King Kong bunny. We've been there and seen that. So the main event of SummerSlam Hogan and Bruno San Martino teaming up to take on the one man gang and killer con. And then from there rematch guys, for those in the garden, they know this tried and true, but for those who watched the match on superstars, it was the honky tonk man, defeating Ricky, the dragon steamboat for the intercontinental title. Now the original rematch took place in front of the New York crowd and MSG Back in the month of July, it was the Honky Tonk Man intentionally getting counted out. Maybe we'll see a clip here on the SummerSlam report. But the Honky Tonk Man intentionally getting counted out in order to retain the title against Ricky Steamboat. So we're bringing it back here, guys, at SummerSlam. But this time, Honky running nowhere. It's a lumberjack match. Is the Intercontinental Champion Honky Tonk Man going to take on Ricky the Dragon Steamboat? Both men we will be able to pick half of the Lumberjacks that'll be at ringside for this one. So no doubt, Honky Talk Man gonna maybe have some Hart family members, maybe Dangerous Danny Davis out there. On the other end, you have to think Steamboat gonna counteract that again with George the Animal Steel and the like. We'll get into that when we get to the pay-per-view results. We're gonna do that next. Also here, as part of SummerSlam 87, they recently beat the Hart Foundation right there on national television. One, two, three in the middle of the ring. I'm talking about B. Brian Blair jumping Jim Brunzel The Killer Bees going to take on Tag Team Champions Heart Foundation for the titles. They are on the line, but we're not done yet, guys. Gorilla Monsoon always asking for it. There needs to be two officials in tag team matchups. Well, ask and ye shall receive Gorilla. In this instance, not only will there be a referee in the ring, but special guest enforcer outside the ring for this tag team title match, Mr. T going to be part of SummerSlam. If you got the guy contracted, no doubt he's got to fit into the pay-per-view here. Mr. T working as the special outside enforcer for this matchup. Then as the pay-per-view lineup goes on, country whipping match, call it an old-fashioned whipping match if you will. The loser getting 10 lashes here is Ken Patera, slated to take on the mighty Hercules. If Patera loses, he gets 10 lashes across the back. If Hercules loses, it's manager Bobby the Brain Heenan who gets the lashes. And yes, guys, I know there's an upcoming injury to Kim Batera that'll play into the pay-per-view. I've already got it all planned out. Don't you guys worry. But right now in the month of July and more so August, they're doing these whipping matches all around the horn on all the house shows. So it all plays in, and it's going to be fun when we get there to the SummerSlam results, I promise you. But for now, more matches signed for this blockbuster pay-per-view, six-man tag team action. Going to see the Rougeau brothers, Jacques and Raymond Rougeau, teaming up. With Brutus the Barber Beefcake, we just saw them in a prep match on Superstars. The six-man match, you can guess their opponents, Greg the Hammer, Valentine, and Dino Bravo, the new dream team, along with their manager, Luscious Johnny V. So there it is. The feud going to culminate here as part of SummerSlam. The Rougeos and Brutus the Barber Beefcake getting their hands one final time. Hopefully, we can only hope. This is the last time we'll see them in the ring with the new dream team and Luscious Johnny V also on the card arm wrestling action we just saw him in a pose down here this week on tv they're going to continue their feud here as part of SummerSlam in an arm wrestling contest as the superstar billy graham takes on the natural butch Reed. no doubt some shenanigans to follow that one also on the card million dollar man ted dibiase slated to take on well i have down bird man coco beware i think that'll be a fun matchup for dibiase initially i had sam houston here As his opponent, it makes sense for DiBiase's initial debut with the WWF, only seen in Houston. DiBiase's still a babyface down there. He turned on Sam Houston in a tag team match. Now, the fans nationally, they never saw that. So it makes more sense for the Houston fans. And it just sounds like a better matchup. Coco may be a little more competition than Houston. And I think DiBiase could showcase himself more against Sam Houston. But Houston really hasn't been on syndicated TV. So he's not really well known to the masses. Of the WWF fans yet. So it's Million Dollar Man taking on the Birdman, Coco Beware. Also, listen to this one, Macho Man Randy Savage. Did you guys really think I'd leave him off the card? Taking on the King Harley Race. What? Wait a minute, Ray. Macho Man hasn't turned babyface yet, you might be saying. Well, if you've been paying attention to the July and August house shows, 99% of Savage's opponents have been heels, including the likes of the One Man Gang, Butch Reed, the Honky Tonk Man. And yes, multiple matches here against the King Harley race. So they already know what they're doing. They've already been in the ring with one another recently. And it's just fun. Heel versus heel here. I see some fun dynamics being played in. I'll get into it when I get to the results. But it's the Macho Man Randy Savage giving him another opportunity to play heel while still being cheered by the fans as he takes on the King Harley race as part of SummerSlam. And also, as we close out the lineup, a special edition of the Snake Pit. Jake the Snake Roberts returning from suspension just in time. He's going to get to the bottom of things. Robert's going to bring out as his guest, Bam Bam Bigelow, our very first look on TV outside of his cranium of one Bam Bam Bigelow, as he talks a little bit about who potentially may or may not be his manager here once he debuts in the ring on TV in the WWF. So top to bottom, what a card, a fun show. Yes, I know there's some names left out, and I'll get to that in just a minute, but in the main event, it's Bruno and Hogan against Killer Khan and the gang. I see title on the line. Honky Talk Man against Steamboat. In a lumberjack match, the two sides picked their own lumberjacks for the matchup. Then from there, tag team champion Heart Foundation taking on the Killer Bees who earned that title shot, pinning the hearts on TV. But special outside enforcer for that match, Mr. T, going to counteract any shenanigans going on, whether it be the Bees in their masks or the Hart Foundation and interference from Jimmy Hart or maybe even Danny Davis. Also, a country weapon match. Loser gets 10 lashes. Will it be Kim Patera or Bobby Heenan getting the whipping when it's Kim Patera slated, for now, to take on the mighty Hercules? Also, six-man action. Beefcake and the Rougeos up against the new Dream Team and Johnny V. Arm Wrestling featuring the superstar Billy Graham against the natural Butch Reed. Macho Man Randy Savage going up against the King. Harley Race in a fun battle of the heels. Also, Million Dollar Man going to showcase his abilities in the ring as he takes on the Birdman, Coco Beware, and let's not forget that special edition of the Snake Pit, Jake's scheduled guest, Bam Bam Bigelow. Now, there's some names left off this card that I'm sure you guys, when you're fantasy booking, a lot of guys gave me this when they fantasy booked WrestleMania three. Why didn't you include Demolition, Ray? Well, they'd only been in the company about two months at the time, for one. For two, they'd just switched smashes maybe a month before WrestleMania a month or two before WrestleMania three. They just weren't ready. They just hadn't gotten everything figured out yet. They were still switching managers. If I remember correctly, the the taping prior to WrestleMania three that didn't air until after WrestleMania three was when Mr. Fuji took over as manager of the demo. So why are they not here on SummerSlam? Well, we only got about two hours, 45, two hours, 50 minutes to work with guys. And I'm all filled up. Everything here seemed like a necessity. And the only guys I'd have to leave off to get demolition on the show would have been million dollar man or the macho man. And right now they're major key factors moving forward here throughout 1987 and heading into 1988. So they really belonged on this card here, this fantasy. Remember, it's just a fantasy, guys. SummerSlam card of mine. But most notable, yes, absolutely, the Demolition, uh, missing in action here from SummerSlam. And they seem like too hot of an attraction to be part of the dark match action as well. That's more of like a a Tito Santana-type match or something along those lines. Now, the next man up, uh, I noticed on my list here of missing in action, well, Jake Roberts just came back from a suspension. So it was kind of short-term to try to throw him into a match. I did have him in an undercard, a preliminary with Danny Davis at one point. Uh, I took that out. Just really didn't have time to fit it in there. I tried to be realistic on time here. So I gave Jake the snake pit, and I thought Bam Bam Bigelow, great way to showcase him, make his debut as part of SummerSlam, at least as far as promos go. Now, this would have been a tremendous time to do an Islanders Can-Am Connection match, but as you guys all know, Tom Zink is out, and Tito Santana hasn't joined up with Strikeforce just yet. So Rick Martell going at it alone here, heading into the pay per view. So Rick Martell missing in action, as are the Islanders from SummerSlam as well. So to me, the standout names missing here: Demolition, maybe the Islanders, and they certainly would have worked the Can-Am's on the undercard had Tom Zank still been around. No doubt about that. As we head off to the SummerSlam pay per view, going to kick it off hot six-man tag team action. In reality, let's just get it out of the way: Rougeau Brothers and Brutus Beefcake scoring a win here over the New Dream Team and luscious Johnny V. You have to think Johnny V. Going to do the job one more time to the sleeper. Does Beaver get a hold of him and finally shave the rest of his head off? Probably likely here. I had that match along with the introduction of the pay-per-view pegged for 15 to 18 minutes of the show kicking things off. Up next, Macho Man Randy Savage, Miss Elizabeth by his side, taking on the King Harley Race, Bobby Heenan out there with the King. Maybe some shenanigans before the match. Maybe Race insisting that Elizabeth bow and kneel before him. Gives Savage a reason to be angry and the fans to pop even more for the Macho Man here who no doubt will score the win over the King with some sort of a schoolboy roll-up. I don't know if it's Race crashing into Bobby Heenan, missing a charge into the corner. You know the Macho Man not going to drop that elbow on the King Harley Race, but Savage scoring the win nevertheless in a fun, quote-unquote, heel versus heel match there early on in the show. I have that blocked off for the next 12 to 15 minutes of the card. Then up next is the special edition of the Snake Pit. Jake the Snake Roberts bringing out Bam Bam Bigelow for the first time here. In front of the WWF crowd on television, all part of SummerSlam, Bam Bam Bigelow at this point, he's already eliminated Jimmy Hart, as well as luscious Johnny V as potential managers. Now we get a vignette of this on this same weekend as part of Superstars, but what if it wasn't a vignette? What if they did it live right here as part of SummerSlam? Mr. Fuji out to the snake pit to congratulate Bam Bam Bigelow on becoming his latest find but Bigelow turning Mr. Fuji down humiliating the devious one right here on the pay-per-view. So Bam Bam Bigelow turning down Mr. Fuji. And why did we place the snake pit here? Well, guys, I try to be realistic. I gave it it about a six, seven-minute block. That's a long time for a promo, guys, especially when Fuji's involved. But why did we place the snake pit here? Again, I tried to be as real as I could. Gave us time to set up a table in the ring for our upcoming matchup. Well, it's an arm wrestling match between the superstar Billy Graham and the natural Butch Reed. And of course, as you might suspect, the normal arm wrestling shenanigans, Reed stalling, Reed stalling. Finally, they go to lock hands and Graham going to give it back to Reed. He's going to stall this time, step away from the table. Finally, the arms lock. It looks like Reed has Graham beat. Graham makes the big comeback. It looks like the superstar is going to win it all. Butch Reed attacking. Maybe Slick getting involved. Hell, maybe even Graham gets Reed's hand down since we didn't get a finish in that pose down. The decision really isn't important here. What's important is Last time Reed attacked Graham, it was the superstar running the natural off, but this time, Buttrey getting the best of Superstar Graham, leaving him down on the mat to continue their feud. Part of a fun angle here on SummerSlam. Action continues, we talked about it. Country Whippin' Match, Ken Patera, slated to take on the mighty Hercules, or you could throw King Kong Bunny in here as well. Whichever you want, Bunny the bigger name, I suppose, but Hercules seems like the more believable name for the matchup. Twenty minutes blocked off for this, beginning to end promos, what have you, as well as a little bit of shenanigans before and after the match, and that's what I'm getting to right now. If you listen to the last edition of the grenade, you know that Kim Patera is suffering a major injury at some tapings in the early part of August. Thus, they would keep him out of the ring here at SummerSlam. So we're gonna do what they did at the house shows throughout the month of August and September. Kim Patera going to be replaced. Now in the month of August, Kim Patera typically replaced by superstar Billy Graham, but that's not the case here. At SummerSlam, you see something else happen recently on television. Yes, we've seen the debut of Ravishing Rick Rude, but by this weekend's time, I believe the same weekend as SummerSlam, on TV, we're going to see the babyface turn of one Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Orndorff going to fire Bobby Heenan when Heenan falls in love with Ravishing Rick Rude, who has the more ravishing body, says the brain, which upsets Paul Orndorff, who has always taken pride in his own physique, Orndorff turning babyface the same weekend. So it's Hercules out to the ring with Bobby Heenan. Patera out next with the arm injury. Of course, the brain and Hercules having a big laugh in the ring. He can't even compete. Just forfeit the match and take the lashes right now like a man, Patera. No, no. Kenny has spoken with President Jack Tunney, and he's found himself a suitable replacement. The brand new babyface, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff has Heenan shitting his pants. Hercules upset, as you would might imagine. Paul Orndorff, tell me this wouldn't get a pop. What a replacement here. And Mr. Wonderful to the ring to take on the mighty Hercules. We can give the match eight minutes, nine minutes, what have you, whatever you want to do here. Going to wind up with Paul Orndorff somehow scoring the win over Hercules. Then post-match, we saw it in the Boston Garden specifically. Hercules refusing to let his manager get the lashing until he's threatened with a six-month suspension and that $10,000 fine. Hercules reluctantly stepping out of the ring before the count of ten. Thus, enabling both Orndorff and Patera to get a little revenge on their former manager Bobby Heenan here with tin lashes. Maybe even at the end of the lashing, we see Rick Rude arrive ringside to help Heenan out of the ring and kind of point fingers and have words with Mr. Wonderful. Work Rick Rude into the pay-per-view without actually working him in to the pay-per-view, if you know what I mean. As we head off to our final match before intermission, yes, you guys remember we had intermission back in the day at the pay-per-view, factored that in as well. Another 20-minute block off here for the Intercontinental Championship match. That includes the entrances, the promos, whatever comes in line here, as the Honky Tonk Man, going to take on the former IC champion, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Now, this was a match in August at the Garden, so I'm cheating a little bit here. It was even a Lumberjack match, in fact, but it made perfect sense, and the Steamer going to get his rematch here right here on pay-per-view, and there's clearly a reason behind this matchup, so I feel like it was going to draw the fans' attention here. And remember, both sides got to pick their Lumberjacks. So some of the men around ringside, you have to know. Hockey Tonk Man going to get the Hart Foundation, Danny Davis out there. Steamboat going to get the likes of George the Animal Steel, maybe Junkyard Dog. Guys like that. I figured, hey, let's get them on the show. So the Islanders out here, Rick Martell on the other side. Also, Tom Morocco and Cowboy Bob Orton on opposite ends because that's the only way their feud is going to make a pay-per-view at this point. So the action goes on, lots of shenanigans. Danny Davis may be going to try to use the ring bell again like he did with Savage and Steel on Saturday Night's Main event, but it's George Steele combating, going after Dangerous Danny. But all the shenanigans going around ringside allows Jimmy Hart to hand the honky-tonk man the megaphone, blasting Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, and Honky-tonk man stealing the win here. As things break loose at ringside, Morocco and Orton, no doubt, going to go at it. Rick Martell and a couple of his buddies going at it with the Islanders. All sorts of shenanigans at ringside and honky talk man stealing the victory. Once again, defeating the dragon Ricky Steamboat, who's back off home to spend time with his family. Steamboat going to return later this year, no doubt about it. As we head into our intermission, going to get some promos in and out of that five-minute countdown to give the fans in the arena their full 15 to hit the bathrooms and the merchandise stands. And as we come back from intermission, three matches still to come. Tag team title match, of course, the big main event, Hogan and Bruno stepping in the ring with Con and gang and the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. But as we head back to the ring tag team champions, heart foundation, it's Bret Hart, Jim, the anvil night taking on B Brian Blair and jumping Jim Brunzel, the killer bees. The bees recently defeated the hearts in a non-title matchup in the middle of the ring. One, two, three on syndicated TV. So here they've earned their title shot and they get it at the pay-per-view 20 minutes blocked off total here. As we see not only a referee in the ring, let's call it Dave Hebner, but outside the ring, announced his special enforcing referee, Mr. T. going to make sure no shenanigans go down here. As at one point in the matchup, Jimmy Hart caught cheating. Maybe trying to use the megaphone again. Maybe tripping up one of the bees. But it's caught by Mr. T, who informs the referee in the ring, Dave Hebner. And thus, Jimmy Hart is booted from ringside. Jimmy Hart evicted from the matchup. And it looks like it's going to be a fair fight here. The Hart Foundation taking on the Killer Bees, who nearly scored an upset win. Putting on the mask's during all of the confusion of Jimmy Hart being escorted away from the ring. But then late in the match, it's dangerous Danny Davis making his presence known. He's out here trying to interfere in the matchup. Obviously, on behalf of the Hart Foundation, Brian Blair whipping the hitman off the ropes, drop down as Bret Hart running into the jumping Jim Brunzel dropkick. One, two, the bees, the new champions. No, sir, Danny Davis interfering, causing the disqualification here. I know it's unfortunate, but you knew one was coming here on a WWF pay-per-view. Danny Davis blatantly interfering to enable the Hart Foundation to retain their titles, but Mr. T has seen enough. Mr. T hitting the ring, Davis giving some lip, poking at the chest of Mr. T, who has enough, and this obviously going to wind up with T tossing Davis around the ring, having a little fun with Davis's body there. And this all plays into what's been going on in the house shows. So Mr. T's been getting his hands on Danny Davis a little bit there after some matches, tossing him around the ring a little and, of course, continues their feud right here on TV, which would have been great setup for maybe a matchup between the two on the upcoming October edition of Saturday Night's Main Event. Who knows, had Mr. T stuck around. But for right now in the month of August, Mr. T is here, and as far as we know, he's here to stay. The bees get the win. Mr. T going to raise their hands, no doubt about that, but they won't get the belt. So maybe, maybe they'll have another title shot down the road. And Mr. T and Danny Davis, that feud will continue on. As we move on... Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase stepping in the ring with the Birdman Coco Beware here in a fun match. Again, I thought about Tito Santana, but I thought that's too competitive for what I wanted to do here, which was showcase Ted DiBiase. Plus, Santana doing a job right now is not wise on television, considering what we have upcoming with Tito Santana in the next several weeks of WWF TV. Also, again, I thought about Sam Houston, but as I explained, he hasn't really been featured much, if, if at all, on syndicated TV. So I feel like the national crowd may not know who he is, even if he has appeared a few times on primetime wrestling, at least not enough to where it would make the impact that I was looking for here. So to me, Coco's a little too competitive, by 1987 standards anyway, to go up against the Million Dollar Man. For what I'm trying to pull off here, but that's who I'm going with nevertheless, and and if not for anything else, Coco's super over with the crowd, his entrance, Frankie. Hey, he's got a new t-shirt to sell, guys, and I'm sure he's wearing it right here on Pay-Per-View before doing the job to the Million Dollar Man with that Cobra clutch into the Russian leg sweep type move. The million dollar dream into a leg sweep, if you will, that DiBiase originally debuted when he came here to the WWF. I wish he had kept that rather than moving over to that spinning toehold. Still have no idea what that was about. Or maybe since it's a competitive matchup, maybe Coco just does his old deal where he's uh, running off the ropes and does that giant leap at the heel and the heel sidesteps and Coco basically hot shotting himself. He always does that so well, hot shotting himself uh, across the top rope and, DiBiase just capitalizing and scoring the win. So many different ways you can end this, but at the end of the day, it's DiBiase scoring the win, and while well, he worked up a little sweat, maybe he's even going to offer a few hundred dollars to a ringside fan, that they already picked out in advance, obviously, to kiss the foot of the Million Dollar Man right here on Pay-Per-View, if there's enough time. Now I have about 10 minutes blocked off for this segment, just trying to be realistic with the time here, as we head into the main event. Could you imagine a final promo with Hulk Hogan and Bruno Sammartino? Ugh. Boy, that would have been something else. We head to the ring. We see the team of the Mongolian Killer Khan and the one-man gang with their respective managers, Mr. Fuji and Slick, awaiting the opponents out first, making his final appearance in the Garden, living legend Bruno San Martino, followed by the Real American blasting over the sound system as WWF champion Hulk Hogan's got to make that entrance brother to the ring. And as we get the back and forth action, I'd like to think that even Hulk Hogan would have the respect enough to take the heat here. To be honest with you guys, he kind of liked to do the cell job and still somehow get the win as well. But let's say Hogan taking the pummeling here from the Mongolian and the one man gang. Before making the hot tag out to Bruno San Martino, who unloads with great fury and fire to that very familiar New York City crowd who just erupts at the fact that Bruno San Martino, their longtime hero, is making his final appearance here tonight in MSG. And Bruno unloading on both Khan and the one-man gang who are just doing a phenomenal job and selling for the living legend here. And the Hulkster, going to make sure he gets himself over, brother, going to slam the 500-pound one-man gang during the four-way melee at the end of the match, eliminating the gang from the match. One-man gang rolling to the floor, allowing Bruno to blast Killer Khan with that running knee to the side of the head. We saw Bruno do it to Honky Tonk Man in the Boston Garden here in the month of August, and I really liked the move. So he does it here again to Khan, who goes down from the move. But is that enough to finish off the 300-pound Mongolian? We'll never know because Hulk Hogan, going to steal the limelight. It's only Hogan can do. Dropped a big leg across Khan, but then Bruno is the legal man. Hogan offering the pin to the living legend. Bruno Sammartino down to make the count. One, two, three. The garden explodes as Bruno Sammartino going to pick up a win here tonight. at SummerSlam. And Hulk Hogan made sure he was all a part of it as well. The body slam on the gang, the leg drop on Khan. In fact, it was technically the leg drop that got the win, dude. But it's Bruno San Martino who gets the pin as the men have a little fun posing after the matchup. Bruno, not really into that sort of thing, but still appreciates the fans and has a little fun with it anyway. As we conclude this edition of SummerSlam 87 and Hogan Must Pose, pal. And let's face it, guys, you go back to SummerSlam's 88, 89, even 90, 91. Yeah, they had some pretty big main events, but the undercard, I'm not saying the matches weren't good. There were a lot of fun matches that came out of those shows, and really, Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect really sticks out to me from SummerSlam 91, but a lot of the card, it really wasn't a feature on feuds or mega matches, and that's when I tried to get the feel of what was actually going on here in the month of August back in 1987, both on the house shows and on TV. I kept Kim Batero out of the ring. He was injured. Tom Zink was gone, so I got rid of the Can-Am connection as part of the show as well. Andre the Giant couldn't participate. Mr. T was there, so you have to utilize him. There's no way Vince was running a pay-per-view without Mr. T when he's under contract. So I tried to make the most sense I could and have a fun show at the end of the night, and everybody just appreciates what they got to see here. And that's really what I tried to do with this one. I'm sure it's very different from some of your guys' ideas, but I hope you liked my version of Summer Slam 87. I hope you guys enjoyed it at the very least. A fun card, I thought anyway. And it all made sense. But that's going to wrap it up this week here on The Grenade. We're going to return next time. Episode 91. Going to continue on the month of August television, the next two weeks of August TV. Just a reminder, you guys can follow me on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also follow and like me at Facebook.com slash wrestling grenade and be sure to subscribe to my youtube channel youtube.com slash wrestling grenade almost 500 videos now up there on my youtube channel as well and last but not least really would appreciate it if you guys have a few dollars to spend i'm not asking for donations guys i'm giving you back as many gifts as i can in return I'm talking about patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. that address is patreon.com slash wrestle c-o-p-i-a And we're only talking about that $5 all-access tier. Get you all sorts of gifts for just $5. No subscription. Cancel any time. But we're talking early release of the episodes, remastered versions with new content, all of my insanely detailed show notes for three of the podcasts here on the WrestleCopia Podcast Network, plus digital downloads, Patreon-exclusive watch-alongs, bonus video drops, and so much more. All of that for just $5. And every penny of the money you guys give to me, Goes right back here into keeping the Wrestlecopia podcast network up and running. It's simply helping me pay the bills. I'm not going to lie to you guys, I can use the help. So if you appreciate all of the work I do, whether it's on social media with my videos and pictures, or it's any one or all of the podcasts here at Wrestlecopia, all the time and effort, the endless hours that I put in every day, seven days a week, goes right here into the Wrestlecopia brand. And for anyone who runs a podcast, one podcast, I'm sure they know the time, and the effort it takes me to put these shows out. As of right now, I'm a one-man crew here, guys. I do everything from the producing, the editing, obviously the hosting, the research, all the social media uploads. Whatever you see or hear is done by me right now. Could I use the help? Absolutely. Am I trying to do a one-man show? Absolutely not. But unfortunately, right now, it is what it is. So if you guys enjoy what I do, and you have a few bucks you can spare i greatly appreciate your support of the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. Again, patreon.com slash WrestleCopia and that $5 dollars all access tier. Every dollar truly does help. And with all of that out of the way, we'll be back next time. More August 87, WWF television to tackle. And until then, this is Ray Russell saying, from pillar to post and coast to coast, you pull the pin and I'll pick up the pieces right here on the Wrestling Memory Grenade. I'll see you next week. Don't miss it. Be there!
5: It's like I've been telling you for a couple of weeks now. Everybody's got a price for me, the Million Dollar Man.